0: We'll be streaming live soon. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, glad to have you here with us. Uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, two aspects of, of living in digital Babylon. Uh, one of them uh, is written by a man named uh, Lance Walnout's called uh, God's Chaos Candidate. And the next one will be by Johnny Enlow, called The End of the... Uh, end of the world as we know it. And what I want to do, I want to reiterate with everyone that we are not talking about politics. This is not about Republican, Democrat, conservative, or liberal. What we're concerned about is world views. And my goal here is to try to represent what's happening out there so that as a believer, uh, we can make choices, and we, we have an understanding of the background. We understand uh, where the things are that are, that are, are moving, uh, moving pieces that we need to coordinate. And, um, and we need to understand where Donald Trump fit into this and what we're looking at now. Now, um, one of the things that Lance Wall now talked about in the book, uh, God's Chaos Candidate, uh, it was written in 2015, and it was released in 2016. And he brings up some tremendous points in there, and we're going to cover those. Um, one thing he wants to assure you of is to make no mistake that the gnawing concerns that you have about the future of our country is not delusional. Um, the, in, the incredible de, uh, debt that we're facing um, the the things that are being taught to our kids um, we have talked bef- uh, briefly before but we uh, you know there's another whole study on the seven mountain mandate the the seven areas of influence in the country um, we, we're talking about family we're talking about education we're talking about religion we're talking about business we're talking about arts and entertainment and we're talking about politics or government. Uh, Those seven areas that we're talking about are mountains that we need to to deal with. And that's what we're trying to do is to set the foundation for doing that. And when we see things that just coming apart at the seams, like um, our kids learning, uh, not, not learning math and stuff, but all of the conflict that's going on about school boards and so forth and so on, and the government's pressing and calling parents terrorists and so forth, <clears throat> we need to understand and not necessarily fight those uh in the traditional way that we have, but we need to understand what the lord's saying to us, and that's what we're trying to accomplish here. So I just want to make sure we point that out to everyone uh that we're not pushing Republican or Democrat or conservative or liberal. we're trying to find the third way, which is uh what what does the Lord think about it? Um, we are encountering bizarre things that in my lifetime, I just never dreamed we'd have to deal with. Safe spaces on campus. Kids want to find a place on campus uh, where they don't have to deal with uh, uh, controversy and so forth. Never heard of that. When I was there, we had controversy all the time. And um, if you didn't like what somebody was saying, you didn't try to throw them off campus, you either didn't pay any attention to them or you yelled at them. But, you know, you didn't. Try to throw the guy off campus or have him arrested or, or disbarred or whatever. Uh, the second thing is, is you see like Caitlyn Jenner on the, on the front of Vanity Fair. Now here's a man that was on the Wheaties box and then gets a sex change operation and now he's, he's known as a woman. Um, that's, that's bizarre, and uh, but that's what we're facing with now. Um, illegal immigration on the border. Nobody's against uh, uh, immigration, uh, legal immigration, but that's not what's happening on our border. It is an absolute invasion. Uh, the the government has co- completely abdicated its responsibilities. And I do want to make one comment, though. Um, I know for a fact in our little church that we, Julia, my, uh, my wife and I attended for 25 years. Uh, we when back in I think it's 2009 2010. Uh, immigration uh, illegal immigration was such a hot-button issue and and what do we do with undocumented workers and and one of the things that came up down the street from us was a Hispanic church and um, of course we knew there's a lot of, of um, undocumented workers there and um, and so one thing led to another a very interesting situation and I bring this up because I think it's a I think it's a great point that we can go forward with um, our church was called and asked, said that this Hispanic church's, um, uh, the pastor's daughter died, and um, she was a singer, and they don't have a big enough church. Could we, re- could we let them use our church for a memorial service? And our pastor said, Yeah, <coughs> excuse me, and asked if I would, would help facilitate that. And I said, Sure, I will. And so the pastor came in, and I was hard anti uh, undocumented workers. But the Lord quickened me and I started listening and I was at the meeting and what I found out was the more I interacted with with the Hispanic workers the more they became part of my life and I began to change about who I was because I began to meet people not as a number but I met people as people I learned I learned what their stories were and um and, and it was a life-changing event for me and and our church had ended up having a great meeting with their church, and um, uh, we just had a blast. We had uh, food, and and it was great. So I think that will work not only on the racial side of things, but also on the immigration side. If we can learn to know who these people are, then it'll change our attitude because they're not just an it; they're they're a person. I just say that because I want to make sure everybody understands that, that we're 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 not anti-immigration. We're anti-illegal immigration, and we want to understand how do we relate to how the Lord wants us to relate uh, to the people coming across our borders. Anyway, enough said. Uh, we've had riots. There, there, there were riots in Ferguson and Baltimore, if you remember. This is in 2015. Uh, the Supreme Court had just made um, uh, homosexual marriage legal, <clears throat> and that was, a, that was quite a blow to the morality of the country and, and the fact that uh, we just never expected that to happen. Um, ISIS was on the rampage targeting Christians, but you don't hear anything about that in the news. Um, these incidents of homegrown terror and border invasion and crime were ignored by leaders in both parties. Okay, um, Leaders were actively looking for the hopeful deliverer Uh, Into this political wilderness came Donald Trump with the gift of boldness. And uh, his emergence was a threat to the political machinery in both parties, and he has the distinction of being rejected by the old guard in both parties. Um, This fact alone should have been a clue to believers that there might be something special about this guy Uh, when when the old guard from the Democrats and Republicans, nobody liked the guy. (coughs) <coughs> Excuse me. The people did, but nobody else did. Now, uh, it's very interesting. My wife and I, and I suggest that anybody, if you haven't done this in a while, you should do it. There's a movie that was released in 1976, All the President's Men. It has Dustin Hoffman and and um, Robert Redford in it, along with Jason Robards and a whole bunch of other really good actors, um, Hal Holbrook, uh, Martin Balsamala. And and we watched that movie the other night, and what we found out was that the same crookery that happened then is going on now, just different parties. Uh, And so it's very important to understand we're not saying, you know, you you have to get away from, and I know certainly the Lord's been speaking to me about that, you have to get away from, well, if we get this party in, that'll solve the problem. It's not going to solve the problem. There's problems on both sides of the parties, and like I said, we're looking for the third way. We talk about the deep state. People didn't understand the full extent of the deep state uh, that, the, that the wrecking ball known as Donald Trump was slamming into, including Trump himself. We find out that the, that the corruption and the old boys' network and stuff was so far deep and so, is much wider than anybody thought about. Um, <clears throat> the machinery that was built up to break down and destroy Christian and conservative influence was hidden and virtually impossible to break down. Um, That's how deep this is. Now, the Democrats, after they lost in 2000, came up with a great um, point. uh, They created the Thunder Road Group, and this was created to offset perceived strengths in the GOP and what allowed uh, President Bush to win two elections. Uh, They went back, and it's interesting when you start looking at it, they evaluated the strengths of what was going on in the, in the uh, conservative movement, and they began to, to create offsetting parties. Uh, they needed a think tank, so they created the Center for American Progress. Uh, they needed media mat- strategy, so they created the Media Fund and Media Matters. Uh, they needed to dig up dirt on people, so they created Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, known as CRU. Uh, They needed support from Hollywood, so they created a group called America Votes. Uh, They needed funding, so they created Open Society and Democracy Alliance. And they needed social media presence, so they created uh, MoveOn.org. Now, these organizations, the interesting thing about that this is what you should do in, in politics. Now, I don't agree with any of the goals of these organizations, but they're doing what they needed to do to get their ideas front and center. And they were so successful at what they did, we ended up with David versus Goliath. Uh, when when uh, Donald Trump came in, uh, we find out that, that he's David and he's taken on the Goliath, which is like the deep state. It's interesting that, that, that the analysis was the Thunder Road Group has grown and become the most powerful political coalition in history, built and sustained by coordinated giving and a central strategy. Uh, No one in American history has been better poised to set back the progress of progressives and tear down uh, the the organizations except Donald Trump. Now, you may not like Trump, but we're going to go back in just a minute. We're going to look at Isaiah chapter 45. Um, One of the things that that, uh, Lance Wall now said, that the Lord spoke to him, was that Trump would be the wrecking ball to the spirit of political correctness. and Lord knows everybody I know hates political correctness. Um, and the decline in the values that we seek to promote, Christian values and so forth, is not an accident. Okay, it's not an accident. Now, one of the things we want to talk about, and I want to, I want to get my Bible and I want to go right to Isaiah 45, and if you and if you look at Isaiah 45, I want to read why he says you got a Cyrus anointing, and it's important for us to go back and understand that God uses. We believe that God sets up leaders. And we believe what Proverbs says that their hearts are like channels of waterway that He can bend whichever way He wishes, and so uh, we go back and look, and He said this is what what He said. About Donald Trump. This is what the Lord says to Cyrus, his anointed, whom I have taken by the right hand to subdue nations before him and undo the weapons belts on the waist of kings, to open doors before him so that the gates will not shut. I will go before you and make the rough places smooth. I will shadow the doors of bronze and cut through their iron bars. I will give you the treasures of darkness. And hidden wealth of secret places, so that you know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who calls you by your name. For the sake of Jacob, my servant, and Israel my chosen one, I have called you by your name, and I have given you a title of honor, though you have not known me. Okay? One of the things that people the believers were so upset about about Trump and uh, we had a lot of good Christian candidates out there. We had, you know, uh, Rubio. We had uh, Ted Cruz and others. Uh, if you remember, there was like six, 15, 16 candidates for the presidency when Trump showed up. Nobody gave him a chance. Everything just kind of blew up in his face. But one of the things we find out is that God uses people that don't know Him. So we're not looking for a good Christian. We're looking for a competent person to run the government and if you go back and look we can certainly go back to World War II and see that FDR uh, I don't think anybody could say FDR was not the man that was the right man for the country at that time but he certainly was not um, you know you wouldn't put him in the pulpit to preach on Sunday okay you can go back and look at Britain uh, talk about Winston Churchill and his, you know, if you didn't ask him about what his theology was, uh, he'd pull out a cigar and a glass of scotch, and he'd tell you what his theology was. And but yet he had his thumb on what the real problem was with with Germany. He said that they're trying to tear down Christian civilization, which was a goal of the of Nazis, as as we talked about earlier. Um, but he goes back and he says, though you have not known me. And he says in the next verse, "...there is no God except Me. I will arm you, though you have not known Me." So God is very clear that He will use people that don't know Him to accomplish His goals. And um, uh, if you go back and look, at, uh, we can talk about the accomplishments later. I don't want to get into the political stuff from that point of view, but I'm saying... We look at the man that was in the government and what his goals were and what he he was trying to accomplish. They had more in line with us than what people thought they did. Now, um, we can go back and look at at Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 to 30. And I'm going to read that from the uh, New Revised Standard Version. Uh, He put before him another parable, the kingdom of heaven, And it may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But when everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the uh, wheat. And when they went away, and then they went away, so the plants came up and bore grain, the weeds appeared as well. And as the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? And he said, An enemy has done this. And the slave said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds, you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest time, I will tell the reapers, Collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. Now, we can see that among God's harvests, Satan will plant people in there that will do what they can to destroy the harvest. Um, You can mark the progress of so-called progressive uh, uh, programs by redefining marriage and targeting Christian bakers, florists, photographers, wedding chapels to put them out of business. That's been the ongoing battle that we've had to fight. Um, In education, progressives push new textbooks, that shame and blame American disciple the next generation of American-hating leaders. Now, again, we're talking about progressives, but at the same time we want to make sure we have an understanding of how the Lord is maybe put this thing together and what's our responsibilities to that. Uh, Economic policies that lead to inflation and the destruction of the economy. We've spoken earlier about you could go to Deuteronomy chapter 28, and you can see the first 14 verses are the blessings of following the Lord. And then from verse 15 to the end of the chapter, probably 55, 56 different verses, explain the problems of not following God. And you see things in there like human trafficking. You see diseases. You see, uh, in fact, and I think it's verse 64 that says, the diseases that are not even in this book are covered under the curse of the law. And then we find out, of course, that Jesus died on the cross in Colossians and delivered us from the curse of the law. So uh, we want to try to put that in perspective and we can look at what's going on and see the fruit of it. Now, he outlined this and said there's four crucibles that that this country has gone through. We're in the fourth one. Let me read the first one to you. The first crucible involved the founding of the nation and we know it as the American Revolution in 1775 to 1783. The second crucible was the Civil War, 1860 to 1865. Abraham writes of the Civil War as a testing whether that this nation or any nation so conceived in liberty uh, can long endure. Okay? The third crucible was the Great Depression, 1929 to 39, and World War II, 1939 to 1945. It was a test of our survival as a, as a nation. If you go back and, and if you would actually look at the soup lines and the things that were going on and what happened in World War II and, and what our response as a country was, I think you'd see a completely different country. Now, um, the fourth crucible is upon us now. And, and we go on and says we're already witnessing the first race of the unraveling. Uh, there's beginning, there people are trying to have race wars, class wars, religious wars. Um, and so forth and so on. And the one thing we want to understand, um, Satan divides people. We don't want to be divided from people. I want to see race relations improved. I want to see quality education. I want to see a good government. Now, I have believers that believe something completely different than what I do. And I have people that have had experiences that I've never had. I have to make some changes in order that I can relate to them and understand what they're feeling in in um in two thousand and eight, an interesting story is i i was um we didn't have a Wednesday night service at my church and um and and one day on uh, I read an article on Saturday morning that says that this this uh, African American episcopal church uh was getting a new pastor, a woman pastor. And I sensed the Lord wanted me to go to the to the party that they were having for her. So I went there, and there was maybe 150 people there. And there were two white guys there, me and a, and a photographer from the paper. And I went up and introduced myself to her, and I said, I'm new here. And she just cracked up, and we became good friends. And on Wednesday nights, because we had nothing to do, I would go to her church and participate in Bible study and dinner and so forth. Made a lot of great friends. And... It was just enjoying myself and, and beginning to learn uh, something about the race relations. Well, one Wednesday night, she comes up and says she's gotten called to an emergency meeting, and she told me, she says, uh, you go ahead and teach. And this is like two minutes before she's going to start this, and I'm going, well, I, I was just caught off guard. How, what am I going to teach these guys? They're my contemporaries. They've all experienced uh, life in the South in the 50s and 60s. And what do I have to teach them? And I prayed, and as I walked up on on the platform, I heard the Lord say in my heart, ask them what Barack Obama's election means to them. So I got up there, and I asked that question, and for 35, 40 minutes, they went around the room, and I heard things that just stunned me. And I began to say, oh my gosh, I didn't know. And that's the problem. I didn't know, but I want to know. I want to be a part of the answer, not the solution. And in order to do that, I've got to analyze the thing, and that's what we're trying to do here is to analyze so we can get to the point that I'm not looking for a Republican answer and I'm not looking for a Democrat answer. I'm looking for the third way. And if we disagree on the third way, that's okay. We want to discuss it. And we want to discuss it in a way that honors the Lord. So, um We'll go on. The trigger of this fourth crucible could come from any one of a number of global incidents, but it will most likely manifest in regional social uh, um, evils in a national economic meltdown. Um, a national economic meltdown. We want to avoid that. Um, we're already witnessing this unraveling, and the trigger for, could come in any one of a number of ways. Now, how bad can it get? Well, you can already see what's happening in America. Uh, Radical progressives are trying to hide the wave of social unrest in order to trigger a socialist reset of America. Well, we know from history socialism doesn't work anywhere, but the the point is that's the fight that we have to figure out politically. And the message that we had that worked in the 60s, 70s, and 80s isn't going to work anymore. We have to be wise enough to go to the Lord and say, okay, what do we do that helps address these issues? We go on, and Heidi Baker shared a vision. I love this vision. Uh, Heidi Baker shared a vision, and she received while visiting a church in the United States, I saw bloodline soup kitchens, people wearing beautiful clothes, and their clothing was not worn out. I didn't want to see what I saw, but I saw what I saw, and I was so undone that I said exactly what I saw. And all these people, they had beautiful cars, 4x4s, Lexus, Mercedes, BMWs, Toyotas, and they were all there with their shiny cars and nice clothes, but they were all standing in line. And she said she heard the words from the Lord, and she put it in all caps, suddenly. This happens suddenly. Um, and however, she also saw warriors uh, warriors become warriors in miracles similar to what she's seen in Mozambique. And if you know anything about what the Lord's done in her life in Mozambique, it's it's spectacular. It is really spectacular. Um, she has. Uh, uh, if if we would have had a socialist as a president, um, Hillary Clinton comes to mind. If we would have we'd had, had left wing judges that would have made decisions not consistent with the foundings of the country. That's the kind of thing that we have to deal with. Lord, we're here. This is what's going on. What do we do? We cannot respond. We cannot respond in anger and um, um, uh, uh, bitterness and vitriol towards the people that are, are, are in government. That's not the right response. I'm trying to learn what that response should be. And I go on and it says here, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 in the New Revised Standard says this, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will renounce the faith by paying attention to deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's all in the church. It could be political theories that are no good. Um, we have to have wisdom to be able to hear what the Lord says. If you go to Revelations, chapters 2 and 3, He says to the seven churches, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And we, if you've got eyes to see, keep your eyes open. We want to be like uh, Chronicles, where it says that the men of Issachar knew what the times were. They knew what the times were and what Israel needed. And we can also see, we don't want to be like, the, the, the one in Judges the, I think it's the last verse in Judges it says there was no king in Israel and everybody did what was right in their own eyes um, we've got a lot of that going on today and it needs to be stopped because the world looks to America for freedom and leadership and right now we're not providing that um, what if the false prophets and counterfeit apostles that we should pay attention to aren't preaching false religious doctrine but rather false political promises being promulgated by political charlatans. What if that's true? Now, that, uh, again, we could sit down and argue, well, maybe uh, you, know, you think this guy's right, and maybe I think this guy's right, and maybe they're vast apart, but we have to get together, and somehow or another we have to get together and find out what the Lord says about these things. And we have to sit back and look at what what was the end result of what happened during the four years of Trump about unemployment, um, racial uh, uh, the unemployment among uh, uh, minorities and so forth. What was the result of that? What was the result of our national influence? What was the result? Uh, We had uh, the Abraham Accords. We had Arab countries coming to get together with peace. We were energy independent going on and on. Those are all things that need to be discussed, but we need to do it in such a way so that we can find some common ground and be able to understand, well, maybe I disagree with you about that, but I don't hate you for it. Does that make sense? I hope so. Um, if, you're, if, if you're an open borders, open arms type of person, uh, Trump is the Grinch that stole Christmas. If you have a, law, a lawless spirit, which many do... You go back, who would have ever dreamed in the summer of 2020, or 2020, that we'd see cities burning and, and nobody doing anything about it? Um, get rid of the police, on and on and on. Things are going on that just boggle your mind. How did we ever come to the point we could do that? That we would be in a country to do that? I'm reminded of uh, Daniel, chapter 10. Where Gabriel told Daniel, "You know, when you prayed, I came right away, but the prince of Persia withstood me for three weeks, and he had to, and finally he had to call Michael to come in and help deal with the prince of Persia. Uh, demonic influence—that's the kind of thing that we as believers are having to deal with, and the Scriptures provide us the answers from that. Uh, if you're concerned about the future of America, you may well be the answer to stop." socialist progressive politics designed to destroy America. Again, I'm just outlining what it is that we're facing um, and what can we do to stop it. What can we do uh, to begin to push uh, the direction that God wants us to go? Now, um, in light of that, and, and I want you to understand, I think we have to rethink the Trump years and we have to look at where we are right now And where do we go from here? What does the Scriptures ask us to do? How do we fulfill what Romans 13 talks about by following the government uh, when we see that the government's obviously putting us in different directions than than what the Scriptures want us to go? Hopefully, those are the things that we're going to find out. We've got two more lessons to go through, and we're going to summarize where we've been Uh, But the next lesson is from uh, Johnny Enlow, and it's uh, The End of the World as We Know It. Uh, And he's going to outline and and lay some things out before you uh, before we get down to the end and see what the Scriptures say. And I think you'll find a very hopeful uh, ending to to this study. So I'm going to pray right now. Father, I thank you for this time. I ask you, Father, that I be able to communicate correctly here. In Jesus' name, I thank you for it, Father. Amen. I'll see you next time.